0: Showtime with Ricky Lee. Thank you so much for joining me here on 101.5 Huntley Community Radio. I know we have listeners from all over, so if you're ever outside the broadcast area, you can always listen to the station in real time at huntleyradio.com. And also remember that you can listen to current and past episodes of It's Showtime with Ricky Lee wherever you get your favorite podcasts. The first heavy metal album I ever owned was from Quiet Riot, and I'm not alone. The band was the first heavy metal act to top the Billboard album chart with the breakthrough album, Metal Health. It features the iconic hits Metal Health and Come On, Feel the Noise. One of the key ingredients to the success of Quiet Riot is bassist Rudy Sarzo, who appeared on all of Quiet Riot's most legendary albums and Rudy's rock and roll resume does not stop there. This amazing musician and downright phenomenal human being has also delighted fans playing with Ozzy Osbourne, White Snake, Jeff Tate of Queen's Reich, Malmsteen, Malmstein, Blue Oyster Cult and supergroup Devil City Angels. Rudy recently came back into the fold rejoining Quiet Riot. Having seen one of their recent shows, I can tell you that Rudy brings the true spirit of rock and roll and heavy metal to the audiences every night. So today I have the great honor of sitting down with the immensely talented Rudy Sarzo of Quiet Riot. We'll talk about his history with Randy Rhodes and Kevin Dubrow, as well as his work with artists outside of Quiet Riot. We'll also talk a little bit about the single, I Can't Hold On, with the re-release, Rehab, Relapse, and Remastered, with the Future Holds. But most of all, welcoming Rudy to the show. Rudy, why is it that you do this? You have this incredible resume. Why is it that you get out there every night and just wow the audiences?
1: You know, that's a really good question. <laughs> uh, you know, I, everything with me about Choir Riot goes back to being in the band with Randy. And I say that because I'm the only musician who ever got to play with him in both Choir Ryan and Ozzy Osbourne. Right. So I experienced the metamorphosis uh, that eventually was going to happen. It just happened that it happened with Ozzy. And when I say that, is because from having played with him, I could see that there was a certain trajectory to his musical journey. Uh, And since Randy actually started playing classical music before he started playing electric, uh, classical meaning, you know, with the acoustic guitar and playing classical pieces. And then because he wanted to join a rock band and hang out with kids his age, he started playing rock and roll and playing going electric. But at the core of it was always his classical background and his academic background, because he's the only musician I've ever played with that both parents were actually professors, and they uh, built from the ground up, brick by brick, That school that stands today, it's called Musonia, is in North Hollywood, California. And Randy was all about knowledge, musical knowledge, and playing the music. We never spoke about politics, religion, who was going out with who, all we were we cared about in Quiet Riot was trying to get a record deal, come up with a next song that the record company might hopefully give us a, a demo deal to go into studio and record, and hopefully a record deal. Or when he joined Ozzy, uh, his his motivation was to become a better musician every single day. Where where can he take the music that he composed uh, for Ozzy? for the diary of a madman and blizzard of Oz records. And how can he take it to the next level every single night? You know, I witnessed that, you know, so that, that level of musical integrity is very hard to come by because there was, there's such a discipline involved that you develop at a very, very early stage and such a vision of who you are as a musician that, uh, I have played with some that come very close. One, one of them, I can say, uh, is uh, Ronnie James Dio. He had that that musical integrity. And um, unfortunately, you know, Randy, you know, Randy's in the Hall of Fame, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame with two records. Not with a band, but just as Randy wrote. I can't say any more than than that speaks volumes about his impact on the music industry as a whole, you know, how he influenced all the other musicians and still does influence every new generation that comes around. And I know this because I get a lot of uh, messages on social media from guitar players, young guitar players, male and female that discover him. And they kind of like become their fans, you know, and, you know, Randy's fans and, um, a lot of them don't even realize that he had passed away.
0: Oh, really? So I, just,
1: I, I never tell them. I just let them find out on their own, you know. Uh, I just don't want to spoil
0: them for them, you know. Yeah, let them enjoy that special moment of, of, of the purity of the love. And, and yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Absolutely, absolutely,
0: yeah. Now, you've had yeah. the chance to play with some of the greatest guitarists of 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 all time you know starting with randy Mm -hmm. and you keep that spirit alive currently with Mm -hmm. alex in quiet riot um what Mm -hmm. is it like being out there playing the music that so many people have just loved forever and just keeping that spirit alive
1: yes after you know we're, we're celebrating the 40th anniversary of metal health this year and uh when I say that, I mean I got it's like a, you know, time and space colliding with what it was forty years ago. Even while we were recording the record, I got to tell you how the whole thing for me happened. Um, uh, of course, we talked about me playing in Choir Raya from seventy eight to seventy nine with Randy, and then Randy leaves Choir Raya to join Ozzy. The band ceased to exist as Choir Raya, so it becomes Dubrow, and Dubrow was like a revolving door of different musicians, you know? And I was one of them. I played with Kevin. I lived with Kevin right up to the day that I joined Ozzy Osbourne. And I played a lot of those songs that got on, you know, that became part part, part of the record, Metal Health, either like Slake Black Cadillac with, with Choir Riot with Randy, or I played Love's a Bidge, Thunderbird, Party All Night, uh, no, let let's get crazy. Let's get crazy. "Party on was the second okay. record, and uh, uh, so I knew all those songs. And so I get a phone call. I'm I'm I'm, un- I'm, I'm still a member of Ozzy Osbourne. Randy Rose that just passed away in March 19th, 1982, and this is September of 1982, and I'm getting ready to go to New York to record on the "Speak of the Devil" live album from the Ritz which is the Black Sabbath re-recordings of the of the Ozzy era, Black Sabbath, uh, with Tommy Aldridge, Brad Gillis, Ozzy, and myself. So I get a phone call from Kevin and says, Hey, Rudes, uh, we're in the studio, possible record deal here. We're just making some demos. Yes, those songs that went up on the record were initially intended to be demos. But, you know, so... So, and he says, listen, would you, how would you like to come down and, and play on Thunderbird as a tribute to uh, to Randy? That's Thunderbird being the song that Kevin wrote for Randy when Randy left the band. And then after he passed away, he changed the lyrics the of their last verse to reflect him not being with us any longer. So, I said, yeah, sure. So, I went down and, of course, I knew the song because I used to play that song with him and... Uh, and and, and his band, Dubrow, and what you hear on the records, what I used to play live. So we we do a couple of takes, and we get it, and the producer goes, oh, you know, we have a few hours left from the session. Oh, do you remember any of the songs, like Slate Black Cadillac? And I go, yeah, sure. So by the time I left the session, I had recorded about at least four songs, maybe even five, but definitely four. And, you know, when Randy died, I lost my... My choir riot consciousness, family, uh, attachment, you mm-hmm. know, the connection to yeah. it. and and I knew that I had to move on. I just did not know how when or how how this thing this whole thing because I lost the joy of making music completely, and then to be in the, in in this room in the studio, recording finally with frankie benelli who he and i we met 10 years prior and we started playing together right after we met on my birthday 1972 november 18. so here we fast forward 10 years after uh, uh, frankie and i we we moved to chicago area together we uh we played the whole midwest area and then we came to la in 77 we struggled to keep it together we had to separate because we run out of money. I came back. And I that's when in 78, that's when I joined um choir riot. And here I am finally with Frankie, part of my musical consciousness. You know, he was the first real drummer that I play with, meaning that he knew what he knew about the, the rhythm section. Well, prior yes. to playing with Frankie, I was just playing with Cuban bands, you know, like a bunch of Cubans playing parties and stuff like that. Frankie was like. Frankie was way ahead of me as far as the uh you know he lived in Florida Dale, away from the from the Cuban area and he uh when I saw him play he was opening up for David Bowie oh wow and it's and it, yeah his band was like a late addition to to the bill because the original opening band had to cancel so they added these guys local band and I walk in and I see this incredible drummer that's how I met him because I he, he he I was so blown away by his performance that the next day I was hanging out at the local hangout, uh, the Flying Machine, and somebody goes, "Hey, that's one of the guys from uh, from Ginger that opened up for Bowie last night." So I just you know I run over to tell him how great I thought the band was, especially the drummer. And he smiles, shakes my hand, and he says, "Hi, I'm Frankie. I'm the drummer," <laughs> and, and, that, and and that's how we met. You know, so uh, so here's Frankie. Finally, playing with Frankie in the studio, and there's Kevin who I have played with him in Choir Riot, in Dubro, live with him. So, my family, my, um, you know, and, you know, so I, I recorded four, four, four tracks and then head out to New York to do the live recordings of, uh, of Speak of the Devil. And by the time I came back home to LA, I had made the decision that I needed to get the joy of making music again, which is the reason why i i came back to uh to quiet you know to what became known again as quiet riot once i rejoined the band it would be officially got renamed quiet riot from dubrow to quiet riot was that a
0: condition of you going back was that just did that just evolve naturally was it like hey we're back together let's call it quiet riot or was it ever like even talked about
1: yeah there's there's even a, an MTV uh interview that we did with Martha Quinn Kevin and I in the early days that Kevin explains it. it was very simple he and I were in Choir Riot uh the fact that Randy had played in Choir Riot brought up that name every time somebody in the press would, would, would write about a review about the show you know uh Randy Rhodes, former guitar player for for LA band Choir Riot that's a, that, that was that was part of this resume you know so uh, it just makes sense since, you know, half of half of that version of Quiet Riot, with, you know, the last version with Randy was him and me to rename it Quiet Riot, you know, and make it a band because it was going to be a band anyways. It was not going to be a solo, solo artist, you know, Dubrow.
0: You're listening to It's Showtime with Ricky Lee. I'm your host, Ricky Lee Travolta. I appreciate you joining me here on 101.5 Huntley Community Radio. You can always enjoy It's Showtime with Ricky Lee. As a podcast, including current and past episodes, find the show wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Now, my guest today is one of the true greats in rock and roll history. Rudy Sarzo has played with the bests: Randy Rhodes, Ozzy Osbourne, White Snake, Blue Oyster Cult, to name just a few. He is back in the fold with Quiet Riot one of the greatest heavy metal bands of all time and audiences cannot get enough of this guy but i want to go back to where we we left off we were talking about basically the 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 reformation of quiet riot taking the the spirit of you and kevin and randy and and continuing on uh adding frankie to the mix and and continuing that 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 musical journey um where did it go from there
1: you mean originally in in eighty three? Yeah, yeah. It was it was all very organic. You know, I, you know, when, when I when I left Ozzy to play with Frankie and Kevin Carlos, I had just met at the session. I had never really hung out with him before, and but I knew of him because he had a band called Snow, and we would play like the same circuit sometimes, the same shows and stuff like that. But we never hung out, you know, and. Uh, so it was basically you know because of Frankie and Kevin like i mentioned you know that that collective consciousness that we had because at that time nothing nothing mattered to us it was all about the music nothing else mattered you know and, and to me that's the way it should be when you're in a band and you're doing and you're together with the band with the band guys i don't mean hanging in your house with your family but your other family
0: yeah you know you yeah. know
1: and uh, you know your musical family that The focus should be on the music because that's, that's, that's what has brought us together. It's the music, you know. And uh, so when, when we went out on the road, that was I mean, we were just like hyper-focused on playing. And, and every night, you know, <laughs> you, could, you could watch us at the Oz Festival or watch us at, at the Agora, one of the Agora's. And you know there was a circuit of clubs around around the country, the agoras, and it's exactly the same band. It didn't matter whether we were playing in front of three hundred and fifty thousand people like we did at the Elf Festival, and the next day we were we were in Texas playing at the you know one a, a one of the um, smaller venues, the agora. You know it didn't matter. It was the same band, same performance, same heart.
0: And you know, as somebody who's seen you play, even you know just very recently the whole band still has that same heart. I mean, you're not going and seeing a tribute band. You're seeing Quiet Riot. The members have evolved over the years, but we still have Rudy, you know, and that's the the key thing. And and the other guys in the band are, are also, car- just carry on that spirit. But in terms of going back to the beginning and making it come full circle, your, your most recent single is I Can't Hold On, which is a uh it, it blends you with Kevin and and uh 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 the uh uh Frankie um and as well as as Alex do you want to kind of talk about that what what that was like uh bringing that together
1: yeah it was very interesting uh Alex had written that song with Kevin years ago and then somehow it got lost in one of his laptops or a hard drive or something and then when I when I came back, even before we had done any any shows or anything, because it was a slow start in twenty twenty one, we really did not kick in until like twenty twenty two, and uh, so you know that gave us time to, you know, to look to look into what we're going to be probably doing in the future. So you know, musically, so uh, new new songs, you know and alex discovers this this forgotten track that he that he did with kevin as a demo it was just guitars and vocals so we added uh the rest you know frankie's drums frankie had laid out a bunch of drum tracks and he had arranged them in a way that he knew what a, what a, what the arrangement drum wise of the choir riot song is you know he was our the band's arranger you know and um and then I laid my base and and that's how the whole thing uh, came together. You know, it was, it was very organic because you know everybody knew what what makes up Quiet Riot. For example, of course, I've been there since nineteen seventy eight with the Randy Rose version, and then you know with the Metal Health version, and I have played with Frankie even be longer than that. So I know how to play with Frankie, uh, and then. And then Alex, he was groomed over 20 years ago by Kevin on Everything Quiet Riot. So even though he was not part of the 70s and early 80s stunts a strip scene, he heard it. He was taught uh, by by Kevin and then later on by Frankie. When Frankie, because Kevin and him started playing before, he started playing also with Frankie. So, you know, and, and Frankie always kept it. He kept the real, as far as what the, the whole spirit of the band is, even after, especially especially after Kevin passed away. And then you have uh, Jizzy, who was brought in. You know, uh, Alex recommended him, and then and then Frankie brought him in. And what's interesting about Jizzy, he is like the last generation with this band, Love Hate from the Sunset Strip, because pretty much after that, all went to Seattle and other Grunge, places, yeah. you know, outside of LA. So, so he was, you know, he used to watch Choir Riot as when he was younger as one of the bands on the strip. So he, so he got it. He drank from the same well as we did. And then you have Johnny Kelly, who was actually also picked by, by Frankie, uh, to come in and replace him. Uh, you know his his roots are Danzig, is drummer in Danzig and the drummer in Typo Negative. You know, so the, we are we are musicians. We we understand about loss. You know, a, a lot of time we talk about losing loved ones and what are, actually affects us as human beings affects our music and the importance. You know, after many years, after many years of 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 actually having to deal with 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 uh, having, you know, being present during Randy's crash, you know, I, I've learned a few things. I learned that, you know, that the responsibility of all of us who are left behind to actually celebrate the music and the memory of those who are no longer with us, you know, and which is the reason why I'm back. I'm back to celebrate the memory of Frankie Benelli, Kevin Dubrow, and and Randy Rhodes, and, and to you know, their memory and, and the legacy of the band, what we accomplished.
0: Now, you've previously written uh, about uh, life on the road, uh, particularly with Randy, uh, and that was in your autobiography, Off the Rails. Um, that is still available. And uh, did you wanna talk a little bit about what, what readers can expect with that? What, what, what it meant to you to, to, to create that and tell your story?
1: Yeah, it was. It, I started writing it at a time where the internet was becoming, beginning to, it had the tendency to be a cesspool of misinformation, you know. And around the late '90s, it got to a point that I was getting all these messages from conspir- conspiracy theories and innuendos and misinformation about Randy's death that were really appalling. So I figured, you know what? Nobody's going to write this. So I if I don't, I if I don't write this book, the lies will become truth because nobody is contesting them or actually fixing it, you know. So that was my decision to write the book, to set the record straight of what actually happened. And I figured, well, I got to write more than one chapter. So I just wrote about the number one question I get asked when I go on the road, which is what was it like to play with Randy Rhodes? And that's everything that I can answer that question with is within those 350 pages.
0: And, um, I mean, what was, what was it like finally releasing it? Because I've written books in the past, and it's, it's, it's one process to write it. You know, uh, that's the story you want to tell. And then it's did people hear it? And you know, I have not read the book yet, but from everything I've heard, it is just a phenomenal read and because it's personal and honest. Is is that the reaction that you were looking for?
1: Yeah, the hardest thing for me to do was to take myself out of the story because I don't want it to be about me because it's not about me. It's it's about Randy. And once I, I found the tone and the voice and the pace of how to do it, then I was pretty much on my way to telling the story. Uh, you know, my, it, it was, I had to do it. Um, that was my motivation. I did it for Randy. I wanted to clear up what happened. And uh, the, biggest, the, the biggest gift I've ever gotten about reading that book was closure. I got closure, which I was not expecting. When I wrote the end, just those words, the end, it was like, "Wow, wow!" It's off my shoulders. All of all the uh, the PTSD, you know, PTSD, the post post traumatic uh, 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 stress uh
0: post traumatic stress syndrome. Yeah. Yes, it's, uh,
1: yes, PTSD. All of that. It's just even thinking about it, it just brings it up. <laughs> PTSD it's just uh, it just released it completely you and, know because because I don't think about it anymore you know when people ask me things see when I started the, doing the interviews about the book it was painful because it's kind of like the reason why I wrote the books was so I don't have to go back
0: there again and talk about it and now here and I am about talking it. about it
1: yeah I'm talking about it so I had to deal with it and I came I came to uh, I, put, I I find myself in a place and I say you know what I can tell the story as an as spectator, somebody who was there, looking at it, but not from my within my eyes. I can actually see myself going, you know, experiencing it. So I'm removing myself from it emotionally, and that's the only way that I can actually talk about it.
0: To remove, you had to remove yourself emotionally in order to actually let yourself come to peace with the emotions.
1: Yeah, but only about telling the story, telling what happened. If I find myself in a situation that I got to tell what happened, now I can go and and see myself, see everybody, but not through my eyes. Because my eyes were seeing it through my eyes. I have to put myself back inside again. Of, of me being in March 19, 1982, at the
0: crash site. Wow. Rudy, I could just talk to you all day. Unfortunately, we're out of time. You've been listening to It's Showtime with Ricky Lee, providing you a behind-the-scenes look at all things showbiz. My guest today has been Rudy Sarzo, the iconic bass player for heavy metal, medi, heavy metal mega group, Quiet Riot. I encourage you to download a copy of Quiet Riot's current single, I Can't Hold On, on the Rehab, Relapse, and Remastered album. It all, And if you want to know more about Rudy's career, then you can go to quietriot.band. Thank you so much, Rudy, and we'll see you in the spotlight.